I want to greet all of you this morning. My name is Pastor Sheldon Miles. I'm the lead pastor here at Thrive Church. And uh, man, I just thought last Sunday was just great. We had a guest speaker, and she just knocked it out of the park. My wife, Michelle. She did an awesome job. I want to greet all those in the 715. And I want to talk to you just briefly here about this upcoming event. We are, one of our core values is we are mission-driven we are a mission-driven church, and so we've tried to find ways to share the love and the message of Jesus Christ to the 715, to our community. And so you've been hearing us talking about, and you've been seeing things happening around here called the moving experience. And the Word of God says this, that our greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, your strength, and to love your neighbor. Everybody say neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's what the moving experience is all about. We are going to intentionally love our neighborhood, love our neighbors. Do you know that there's a lot of our neighbors who are going through a lot of difficulties and challenges in the past few years? I've been talking about a lot of people who the mental health crisis has just gone skyrocketing here in the past few years. And so we've set up this event to welcome our community to come into a very welcoming and relevant event that we can share God's love with people. And I'm going to ask you, the church, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. I'm going to ask for your participation because that's what the church does. I'm going to ask you, first of all, to participate through prayer. That God would open up opportunities for conversation. I had more faith conversations last year through this event than almost the whole year. I believe people are seeking answers and they're looking for truth. And this opportunity gives us that, that, that opportunity. And so I'm going to ask you to pray about it. I'm going to also ask you to volunteer. And you can check out the, the Connect Center at the back of the, uh, in, the, in the lobby today if, if you're interested in just helping out for a, a few moments. And just come, and the third thing, just come and love on people. Can you do that, church? We are going to love on people with the love of Christ. And it's going to be one big block party. So I welcome you to, to do that. Uh, also, to set up for this. Uh, we're going to need some help at the end of the service. I don't want to forget this. At the end of the service, if you're willing to help us just move that section of chairs and that section of chairs over here, if you could come at the end of the service, come to the front here, there's going to be some gentlemen who are going to assist you uh, with that, and we would really appreciate that. We want to look our best for our neighbors, just like you do when you have guests in your house. I cannot believe this. This Tuesday... We, I will, we recognize on my calendar 30 years of ministry, 30 years of ministry in a church, and man, I, where has all the time gone, and I, man, I want to do this another 30 years. I love the church. I love the church, and I love, I love the pastor of this church, so thank you for giving me that, that opportunity. Thank you. I received that. I want to get right into this message here, and I'm, I'm going to let you stare at my bricks cup the entire service, and I'm going to save it to the very end. This is my awesome sermon illustration to let you think about bricks the whole time along. We, we're in a new sermon series. We're going to go four or five weeks. I haven't decided on how long we're going to go on this, called X Factor. That's what the Holy Spirit is. 
The Holy Spirit is an X factor. The, the, the phrase X factor, if you will, is, is kind of that an expression. It means it's the difference maker. I mean, you can have this and you can have this, but when you add the X factor, it changes everything, right? That's what the Holy Spirit does. He changes everything. One of the, these shows on the History Channel that my wife and I like to watch is a show called Alone. Anybody like to veg out and watch Alone? We try to watch the, the whole series. We, man, we do it in three nights. It, 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 we, we love watching Alone. But Alone is one of these wilderness adventure things. They send these people out all by themselves and see who can last in these extreme environments, see who can last the longest, okay? We're talking... 30, well, we're talking 60, 70, 80 days. These people just live off of the land. It's pretty incredible. But the one thing that they must have, they, well, there's actually two things, but the one thing that, that I'm, I'm going to use this illustration, the one thing they must have is they must have fire. Fire is really the X factor in this whole event, this whole game that they have. It is the difference maker. If you cannot, see, if you cannot create fire, you're doomed. You're in a lot of trouble. You need it for warmth. You need it for cooking. Cooking. You, you need it. You, you can have water, but if you don't have fire to purify the water, you're in trouble. You must have fire. It is the X factor. It is the difference maker. In order to have fire, you must have these three ingredients. You must have fuel, you must have heat, and you must have wind. And isn't it interesting, when you look through the Greek and you look at the, the word the Holy Spirit, or you hear the word spirit, there's pneuma. That's the Greek word, pneuma. And it's really, it's like the breath of God. The breath of God. Do you, do you, have you experienced the breath of God? of God in your life. And as I get into this, this sermon series, I, I, I just, I, I wonder if what Garrett was talking about here, we, I, we didn't talk about the service, but I wonder if, if maybe some of you are here today and you have fear of this topic. Because let's face it, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, it's kind of weird. Can I say that? It, 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 it is kind of weird. And here, here's, I was thinking about this, the word weird is like it's not natural. And I would agree with you, it's not natural. I, in fact, the Holy Spirit is supernatural. And whenever you engage in the supernatural, when you look through the Bible, you see supernatural all the time. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird in the mind, but have you noticed that when you allow it into your heart, it makes all the sense in the world? And that's my prayer for you, is that you will take the information that we talk about in this sermon series, you'll take it into your mind, and you'll let it set into your heart, and you'll say, God, what are you, what are you trying to tell me about your Holy Spirit? You know, the Holy Spirit often gets credited, credit for people's weird and bizarre behavior. And I'm going to tell you this, there's a lot of people who have taken the gift of God and they've turned it into something that they wanted it to be, something it was never meant to be, and they absolutely have made it bizarre and too weird. And that's why we need to stay in tune with the real deal, the Holy Spirit, so he can speak to us what, what is truth and what is false. I want, you to, I want you to follow along. How many of you have sermon notes this morning? Hold up your sermon notes this morning. I want you to know that your sermon notes this morning, 
I want it to be for you like a user's manual. How many of you ever got like this, that really cool gift at Christmas time or birthday? And you're like, that is the coolest thing in the world. What do you do with it? You know, it's so cool. Well, well, you look in the user's manual and says, you know, you can do this with it, and you can do this with that, and you can, and then, and it does this. And did you know it's this and that? I want you to know. I hope that today's message provides for you like a user's manual of what this Holy Spirit is all about. And I want you to understand throughout this entire sermon series, I want you to just keep this thought in your mind. You need to understand that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Just look at your neighbor and say, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's a gentleman. I want you to keep that in mind as we, as we, we talk through this sermon series. John 16, 7. Jesus is talking to his disciples at the Lord's Supper. And he, he knows that the time of his ministry, his life here on earth, it is coming. It's within days of ending. It's, it's going to change. And he's telling them that he's going to be leaving soon, but he's assuring them, listen, listen, guys, I'm leaving. They're like, no, no, you can't leave. Like, you're the X factor. And, and they're like, no, 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 no. Jesus is like, Understand, I'm going to send someone that's even better. He says, in fact, it is best for you, listen to me, listen to what he says, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Did you hear what he just said there? It's best It is best for them as the disciples that he, Jesus, goes away. Because when he goes away, he will send the Holy Spirit. He will send to you the advocate. In other words, the Holy Spirit in spirit is going to be better than Jesus in flesh. Is 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 that accurate? The Holy Spirit in spirit is better than Jesus in the flesh. I know a lot of you are like, man, that's a whole lot right there. I just want you to ponder it. And Jesus says it himself. It's going to be good. I'm going to give you this advocate. Now, different versions of the Bible, they'll, they'll use things that mean basically the same thing. Advocate, comforter, counselor. We're going to talk about something, some of these things. But one of the Greek words is paralekis. I did not say that right. Paralekis. It means to come alongside. It kind of gives you the imagery of Jesus, doesn't it? I, I grew up in, in old school, and sometimes those old school songs uh, that, at church, he walks with me, and he talks with me. How many of you remember that, that hymn? Along life's merry way. Just envision that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life to walk alongside. So I want to talk to you about, so so, so we ask this question, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? You know, number one, this is in your notes again, we're we're gonna go through this manual here as best as we can. We're gonna see, number one, that he is a person. The Holy Spirit is not some make-believe mystical force that is out there. It's not something that is just made up. But listen to, what, listen to the words of Jesus. When he says in John 16, he says, 
but when, I would just want you to underline every time he says the word he. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. How many, how many he's did we have there? I'm not sure how many he's. But, it, but he, Jesus is clearly pointing out that the Holy Spirit is a person. You need to understand this this morning. The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is a person. And he is very much engaged in the world today. And very much wants to live within you. Just as the disciples, again, I want you to go back to the imagery of Jesus walking and talking with the disciples. Those time, three years of ministry, the relationship that was built and established. This is the relationship that the Holy Spirit wants to have with you. Holy Spirit wants to walk with you, to talk with you, to have a personal relationship with you. Let me continue on here. It's important to see that the Holy Spirit is one in a trinity. Now, I don't want you to get confused, all right? So follow. It's very difficult to explain a trinity, but I'm going to try to help out as best as I can. Trinity, the word trinity means three in one person. How many of you have heard of that word before, trinity? It's, it's, it's three Everybody hold up three fingers. It's three in one. Three in one. Now we know that, that what are the three? The three is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that makes up one. So, so C.S. Lewis, a, a great author, used to be, he, back in the day, in his earlier years, was a, and a full-blown atheist, and then came to, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and invited the Holy Spirit into his life. He says the Trinity is like three dimensions of space. I just kind of imagine this auditorium here, and you have the length, and you have width, and you have height. You have three things going on in one auditorium space. I don't know if that helps at all. Paulus points out the Trinity when he says this. He points out, he says in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, Son, and the love of God, Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, may he be with you all as a greeting that he was giving, pointing out the three and one. So we have, we have Father God, we know when we look at and we really see the, the existence of God, we see the, our creator God. We have lawgiver. We, have the, that he, we see that he initiates the plan to Jesus. We see him pointing forward to Jesus. And then, and then Jesus comes into the picture. And he becomes our atonement for sin. He comes into the world as human being. He comes down from heaven as God and, and comes into flesh and he lives out God's redemptive plan, and he dies on the cross, a, a human terrible death, and then he rises from the dead. And then he points out to the Holy Spirit, who will be an advocate, a helper, a power of life and ministry. Let me give you one more example. I like to use this example. I like, I like, because I talk about my dad. You have the picture up here? Yeah. 
I like to think that my dad got his good looks from me. <laughs> my dad has been gone here several years now, but I, I, loved, I loved my dad. I loved the relationship that we had. And I looked at my dad, and he was, he was kind of, I'm not relating I'm not saying my dad was the Holy Spirit, but we, if we could use him as an illustration here. So my dad was father, and he had a part of bringing me into the world. How many of you, for you, that's too much information already, okay? Okay. He had a part of bringing me into But he also, father, was lawgiver. He was, he was the, the, the man of the house, and he set the rules. He was disciplinarian, but, you know, um, but, but he, was, he was loving Father, and, he, and we recognize that he gave us these laws not to control us, but to protect us. He was Father. There was a respect for Father. But then there was Dad, and I, Dad, what Dad was, he, he modeled and he extended love. Mercy and grace. Growing up in our home, you know, dad would be working all day and mom would be watching us, all of us kids, and we were jumping onto bed and we weren't supposed to be jumping onto bed and sure enough, the bed broke. And mom, you just wait till your father gets home. And just us, how many of you have had that? That's just up near child abuse, okay? That's, that's terrible, and just, oh, no, when he gets home and, like, you see the car pulling and you're just crying already and you're trying to fill up your backside with books or something to protect you. And it's, you know, Dad. And Dad would come in and to, to talk to us boys. Were you guys jumping on bed? And then he'd start to chuckle. Because <laughs> you've been waiting for me all day. I'm sorry, Dad. Come here, guys. Give us a hug. Mercy, grace, pointing out our sin, but giving us mercy and grace, love. That was my dad. That was dad. Then as I got a little bit older, I recognized, you know, my dad is not as dumb as I thought he was. Okay, that kind of happens in the mid-20s and you get into your 30s. You're like, I don't know, he kind of knows a thing or two, especially when my car's broken down. He, he knows a lot. And then found myself you know, going through life circumstances, having children and marriage, calling up dad and, hey, can I ask your advice on something? Can I ask for your counsel? Can I ask for your direction? Do you, do you see what I mean? So my, my dad growing up, he was father, he was dad, and he was advocate in my life. Three and one, three and one. Let me, let me continue on here. The Holy Spirit is an indweller. Now, the word indweller means to live within, to live within. Excuse me here. So, when you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, and many of you, you've made that commitment. You invited the Lord into your life. What happened And when you invited Jesus in your heart? What God, what God did is he placed his Holy Spirit inside of you. You were, you were filled with his Spirit, and the Spirit dwells within you. Now, again, I want to point out that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Look at your neighbor and say, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he, listen to me, 
he will not indwell into a place where he's not invited. Just, just, just take that, just take that. He will not indwell into a life or into a heart where he is not invited. It's invitation only. I love that imagery that it gives us in Revelations where it says that Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking, he wants to come in. I, I really think that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. And he wants to come and live inside of you. And then it says that the world, uh, the world cannot, he, he says this in John 14, 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwell, dwells within you to be a permanent source of help for living this life and for ministry. Let me say that one more time. It's so important that the church grasp what I just said there. The Holy Spirit is for your benefit. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in how to live this life. How many of you need help in living this life? How many of you are glad you hear, the, you, you pray, and you talk to the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, what do I do about this? This decision right here. But it's not just for your life. It's for your ministry. Did you know if, you're, if you are a Christ follower today, you have a ministry? Did you know that you, the moment you invited Jesus into your life, you became both a minister and a missionary? It's more than just for your benefit. It's for the ministry of the gospel. We're going to talk more about that later. But understand this, that there is a battle now within us. Each and, and I think many of you can relate to this. Paul talks about this in Galatians 5, 17. He says there's a sinful nature, and then there's the Spirit of God. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. How many of you, are, you understand exactly what I'm talking about? The battle from within. So you are not free to carry out your good, good intentions. So there, what, what he's saying here is each and every one of us, there is kind of this dominant spirit that is kind of guiding and leading our lives. Can I just ask you, which spirit is leading you? Do you know that there is a spirit that you are following and you're either following the spirit of this world or you're following the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, number three, is our advocate. And again, many, uh, many versions of the Bible, they'll use the word helper, teacher, advisor, counselor, encourager, kind of the, the same thing here. But look again what Jesus says to us. John 14, he says, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate, everybody say advocate. When the Holy Spirit, when the, Fa when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, you, can, you kind of see, he's, he's like, I'm going to be handing this, this job that I've been doing with you, you disciples for all this long. I'm going to hand that job off to him now. And he's going to represent me. And, and that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. Now, when I think of the word advocate, 
I think of like a public defendant who is really out there for your good, okay? Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had, uh, you've had the unfortunate experience that you had to have a lawyer. <laughs> there was a season here a while ago, nothing illegal, and I really don't want to get into it, but it was just an awkward time where I had to, to work with a lawyer and, and to deal with a situation that I knew nothing about. I knew not, I did not have any wisdom on how to move forward. And so what this, this lawyer did, he was our advocate. He really, he was there for us. He was for our good. And what he did is he helped us along the ways that we did not understand. So we, you, would, you would be talking to him, I was like, ah, this doesn't make sense. And he would explain that. And so he would help us. He would teach us things that we did not understand. He would give us advice. He would he'd be an advisor and he would show us the difference between, no, this would be the right thing, this would be the wrong thing. He would give us counsel. He would give us, the Holy Spirit gives us direction on where to go, what to do, what to say, and how to say it. How do I know all this? Because I was talking to the Holy Spirit this morning on these very same topics. An advocate is somebody who encourages you. That word encourage means to infuse with courage when you are afraid. Now, when I am afraid, I, I try to just bring the Holy Spirit right into it and say, listen, I'm afraid. I'm scared. But then the Holy Spirit reminds me of the truth of his word, and I still might be scared, but I have courage to move forward because the Holy Spirit encourages me. Does that make sense to you? Infuses me with courage. So when you hear people say, somebody, have you ever heard somebody say, you know, I sense the Lord speaking to me. How many of you ever heard that? Somebody, and they come out and say, I, I sense the Lord has been speaking to me about this. What they're saying to you is I sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart. The Holy Spirit, the advocate, is speaking. The counselor is speaking. The helper is speaking. The advisor is speaking. The teacher is speaking to us. Is everybody following me? The Holy Spirit, number four, is our power source. Again, the Holy Spirit is our power source for living and what? For life and what? Did I hear somebody say ministry? The Holy Spirit is our power source for life and for ministry. I, I, I was just talking to the worship team about this scripture verse this morning. This was heavy on my heart. 1 John 4.4. 4. The apostle Paul, no, I'm sorry, the apostle John He's talking to these people, these disciples, and they are afraid. And he's telling them to beware that there are false prophets out there. It's kind of a creepy world out there. How many of you know it has not changed? It just seems like the world is getting creepier and creepier, right? And in the words that, that, that Garrett talked to us this morning, it is easy to live in a spirit of fear. And I'm not sure if that was the situation here, but John says to them, he says, you know, recognizing this, the scary situations in the world, but then he says, but the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in this world. If you get anything out of this message, you can just take that one to the bank. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, 
who lives within you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. Do you realize what he just said here? You have a, the, the greatest spiritual superhero living on the entire universe living inside of you. Come on, guys. Help me out here. <laughs> you have, listen to me, you have a spiritual, the greatest spiritual superhero in the entire universe living inside of you. So why should you be afraid? I have a friend who I came in, was riding through town and wanted to connect with me and, and met with me the other day. And um, he has just been elected into a role in his community, a very important role. And we were just talking about him, congratulating him, and, and, saying, and just remind him, God has appointed you. I believe God appoints leaders into positions. God has appointed you here. And so he just began to like, and then we're going to deal with this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to, I'm like, man, you're kind of, whoo. And I just wanted to kindly remind my friends, like, listen, 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 like, can I just remind you, because I need to be reminded of this, that Paul tells us, the word of God says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So everything that you're going to change, uh, you know, is kind of flesh and blood stuff here. But you can't change the spirit of the world that way. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the powers of darkness in this dark world. It's a spiritual battle. And so many of the challenges that you are facing is spiritual. And you cannot fix spiritual matters through physical means. We fight it through the Spirit. But, but when you have the Spirit within you, you have power. You have a power source. Let me continue on here. The Holy Spirit is our intercessor. An intercessor is one who fills in on your behalf when you're not able. So I don't know if you know this, but we have an intercessory prayer team at this church, Sandy Wall. Sandy, will you just wave your hand for us? Sandy Wall is our prayer leader. And there's many of you who are here who are intercessory prayer warriors. So what it means is like if you're going through a difficulty, you're going into a circumstance, you have a tragedy happen. You know when you have a tragedy happens and you start to pray and you're just like, I don't even know how to pray for this thing. We call the intercessory prayer warriors and say, thank you. You do what you need to do. We're going to pray on your behalf. That's what intercessory prayer warriors do. Listen to this passage here, Romans 8, 26 through 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, in our times of trials and struggles. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows that the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So the Holy Spirit is there for us, and he is willing to intercede even when we don't know how to pray. So growing up in our home, I had a, a, an older sister who had struggled with drug addiction most of her life. And, and if you've, you've had that in your home, you're a parent of that, 
you know the pain of that, and you just want it to stop. You want that to go away, and it's so difficult, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you get to the point where you don't even know how to pray anymore. Anybody ever been like that in a situation? You just, the tragedy or the, 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 the enormous thing, the thing that's happening in Ukraine, the things that are happening in the world right now, I'm like, I don't even know how to pray. But my mom would just intercede for my sister because she knew that my sister was not praying. She would try to intercede for her. But then the heaviness would get so heavy on her, on her heart. I remember walking by my mom's bedroom and her door would be closed and she would be having her private time with the Holy Spirit and she would be inter- asking the Holy Spirit to intercede and she would be praying in her prayer language. I'm going to be talking about that here in the next few weeks. But the Holy Spirit gives us a prayer language that when we don't even know how to pray, we can pray in this prayer language and it makes no sense to us whatsoever. But to the Holy Spirit, it's like, I'm reading you. Oh, I'm reading you. I'm hearing your heart. I'm hearing your heart. And I know that in my own prayer language that the Holy Spirit has given to me, there's been times I have prayed and prayed and I prayed in that prayer language. And I don't even know what I'm saying, but man, when I'm done, I don't know what has happened, but I know something has happened in the spiritual realm. So we know that the Holy Spirit is an intercessor. Number six, the Holy Spirit is a truth detector. A truth detector is a polygraph machine. I hope none of you have ever had to have a polygraph machine, a polygraph done before. But a polygraph machine, you, know, you just you hook up all the wires to that person, and you can tell when somebody's speaking the truth or when they're lying. It's a truth detector. A polygraph machine reveals truth. Now, again, listen to what Jesus says here in John 16. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of what? When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. You know, we live in a very confusing world. What used to be just the norm all of a sudden is now questioned. And the questions are questions. And the questions are questions. Like, what, what, is, what is truth? Isn't that really man's biggest question? What is truth? Isn't that the challenge that is given to each and every one of us? Declare what your truth is and live by that truth. But Jesus tells us in a world that's so confusing, the Holy Spirit is the, tr- is, is the spirit of truth, and he will reveal truth, and he will guide you in truth. So we can know truth. And he most oftenly does that through his word. Do you know that God's word really is a polygraph machine? And all we need to do, if we need to know what is the truth in this situation, in this cultural battle that's gone on in the world today, let me just, I'm, I'm tired of hearing you, I'm tired of hearing you. Let me just listen to the truth of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a truth detector. He will reveal to you what is truth. Number seven, the Holy Spirit is a conscious calibrator. 
A conscience is that, is that inner feeling or that voice, and it, it kind of guides and leads you, the rightness and wrong of one's behavior. And to calibrate means to bring into an alignment. So if you, your car's ever been out of alignment before, you know that the wheels are going different ways, it wears on tires, and it's a really rough ride. When somebody feels convicted, their conscience is being calibrated. How many of you have ever been convicted before? Convict, you just, you got this sense that like, uh, I don't know if I feel right about this. I, uh, I probably shouldn't have spoke to my wife like that. I shouldn't have done that. I just feel, I feel convicted that I should do this even though I don't want to do this. It's just kind of a, that conviction and what, what the Holy Spirit does, his conviction brings us back into alignment. Listen to what Jesus says here. He says, when he comes, have you noticed in this sermon how often Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit? I just wanted everybody to recognize that. When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. You know, I have been listening to a book as of late. And this book has really convicted me on a personal level about my, uh, my witness to the 715. And the conviction is just feeling like the Lord says, you are doing, you're doing a lot of church things. You're, do, you're doing a lot of, of, of leading the church but you're not being the church. Just talking to me, talking to me. You know, you can be so busy doing church that you don't have time or you forget to be the church. How many of you understand the difference there? I'm not gonna take all the time to explain that, but I'm gonna telling you that is the conviction I have been feeling as your pastor. I've been so busy doing church I have not been the church to my next door neighbors, the people who live next to me, to the 715, the people in my community. I I just felt his conviction. And whenever you feel conviction, your response needs to be nothing less than obedience. Right? Or else you're just going to continue the wobbly wheels. Alignment. There's so much more that I could be talking about this subject. I plan to talk more about the X factor here in the coming weeks. But I, all I know of this is what I've shared about the Holy Spirit. Everything that I've shared with you this morning, I have experienced in my life. I'm speaking from personal testimony. I've experienced the intercessor. I've experienced the advocate. I've experienced the truth detector, the calibrator. I've experienced all these things in my life. So that's where I'm speaking from this morning. And so the question is, so then what do we do with the Holy Spirit? What do we do with the Holy Spirit? And I love this passage here this morning in closing. Ephesians 5.18. Listen to it closely. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. Because that will ruin your life. How many of you, you know what he's talking about? And he's not just talking about alcohol. He's talking about the world. We can get drunk on a whole lot of things. 
Instead, what if we fill our lives with the Holy Spirit? And I heard somebody say this years ago, and man, it has stuck with me every time I read this passage. And, it, the, and the, the, the person who wrote that sermon, he says, you know why people want to get drunk all the time? You know why they do that? Because they want to be filled with a spirit that is not their own. Think about that. People are filling them, their lives with alcohol and drugs, pornography, whatever. We all have our stuff, okay? So I'm, there's no stone throwing here. But we tend to fill our lives with things thinking that these things will give me a different spirit. <laughs> it never works, does it? You arrive at that spirit like, that's not the spirit I was looking for. It's a spirit of emptiness. And Paul says, man, instead of trying to fill your life with all these things that will never fill you up, will never satisfy, what if, just what if, what if you worked and filling your life with the Holy Spirit? So I say to you this morning, how do we respond to this message? I, I would say be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, various Greek commentaries, they point out to the connotation of a continuous replenishment. It's ongoing. Be filled. So, you've been waiting for my sermon illustration, haven't you? How many of you have been to this magical place? I know a young lady who has not been to this magical place. <laughs> Bricks, ice cream. I think this is the small cup. This may be the mini cup that they give you if you've never been to Bricks, the mini cup. This is kind of like our life. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, number one, to be filled with the Spirit means all of Him. All of Him and all of me. In other words, there can be nothing else. It's got to be empty, God wants to work through empty vessels. He's not going to share your place with it. If you got chicken noodle soup, he's not going to put bricks in there, all right? It's just not going to go well. You need to be emptied out. Surrender. That's what it means to be surrendered. I'm going to be emptied out. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I'm going to be emptied out. And number two, it's got to be, you got to be open. You got to be open to it. Yeah, you put this under that delicious ice cream machine, it's just going to go all over the place. No, 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 no. you got to be open to it. And for some of you, you're afraid to be open to it. But remember, I want to go back to you and say, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's got good for you. He wants to fill your life. He wants to fill your life with good things. But you got to be open to it. you got to be open. So you you got to empty yourself of you and everything else that you've been trying to fill your spirit with. you got to be open to it. And then you got to be hungry for his infilling. And I got a cup right here that I'd love to take right back to Bricks and say, fill it up. Says, what are you stopping the brim for, man? You know, you've done it before. Come on, go higher. You can go higher. You can go overflowing. But you know what happens? Once I get that cup to, to this overflowing and I walk away, it mysteriously just kind of begins to disappear, doesn't it? I've had one of these before, and I just got a hunkering. I want to go back and get another one because it just kind of dissipates. And I think that's, that's what the, 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 the Paul is trying to say. Can be continually filled because life has a way of draining us. Continually be filled. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with him. So as we close out this message this morning, I hope that you have become open to the Holy Spirit. I hope that you have made the decision to empty yourself from all other things. And I think that I hope that you have become hungry 
for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart, that's where it begins. That's the entry point. Have you invited Jesus into your life? I'm going to ask you, you just bow your heads with me because this is a private moment. Have you asked Jesus into your heart? It starts right there. It starts with a prayer. Wherever you're at in your faith journey, those who are watching online, just say, God, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I recognize you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm choosing this day to empty myself of me and fill my life with you. Choosing today to live for you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.